I'd like to share with you a message that I've entitled, When God Comes Down. And I've put together a couple things regarding this message that pulls together a couple themes. The first theme is the brand new year that is coming around. This is the last Sunday of 2013. 2014 is right around the corner. And uh, I don't know if you feel this kind of weird, oh my goodness, it's already 2014. Uh, Every time another year changes in the year 2000, I keep saying that I'm waiting for that Y2K bug to hit because that, that to me, was like the pinnacle moment of things shifting over. And here we are 14 years after that kind of a deal. But anyway, we have the brand new year coming. And then we're also still in this celebration. So we have of, of Christmas and of Jesus coming. And now we have a whole second year of spark. So for this particular message, my mind has kind of caused all of these things to come together. And I'd like to share it with you because I think it's really appropriate for the convergence of all of those things. Brand new year coming, the brand new renewal of a whole new time, the celebration season of Christmas that we have here, and the second year of Spark. And what does all of that have to do with one another? If you've been with us for a short period of time, just recently, you know that we've been in a Genesis series and we've been going through the Bible uh, very, very slowly. So, it seems appropriate that we should start in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible opens up with the scripture saying, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, the very opening doesn't look exactly the way we would hope that it would look. It's not perfect. It's not great. It's actually chaos. It's into that chaos that God comes down and speaks into that chaos and says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and he saw that it was good. And then what God does is he separates the light from the darkness. And the darkness he calls night, and the light he calls day. And then there was evening, and there was morning. That was the first day. And then God speaks again, and he says, let there be an expanse between the waters that are above and the waters that are below. The waters above we'll call sky, and waters below we'll call the seas. And then there was evening, and there was morning, there was day two. And then God said, let dry ground appear underneath those waters, and let the waters gather to places called seas. So the dry ground appears. Let vegetation grow upon that dry ground. And not this kind of vegetation, obviously, this kind of vegetation. Seed-bearing plants that would produce after its own kind. And it was so. And God said that it was good. It was evening and there was morning. That was day three. And then God speaks again and says, let there be luminaries, greater lights in the sky, big lights to govern the days and the nights. There was a greater light to govern the day. And then there was a lesser light to govern the night. And God also put into those skies stars. And these stars and the moon and the sun are not to be there just for decoration. They are to mark seasons and times and weeks and months. In in other words, to place things into order. They are there to take the chaos and to put some order behind it. There was evening and there was morning. That was day four. And then God said, let the waters underneath team with living creatures tons of living creatures according to their kind and let them multiply according to their kind and so they are were and then let winged creatures appear in the sky and the waters above 
Now, these creatures, these winged creatures, were blessed that they were to multiply after their own kind. And so they did. They multiplied after their own kind. And then they multiplied. And then let also animals appear upon the ground. Different animals. Creepy, crawly animals. But also behemoths, walking animals, livestock. Those kinds of animals. Let them come upon the ground. And there was evening and morning. That was day five. By the way, there are no cats in the Bible. This is maybe one of the reasons why. I think God looked at cats and said, no, no. These don't belong in the scriptures. So with all the animals, there are no cats in the Bible. There's lions, but there's no cats. (laughs) And then God said, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And at the pinnacle of this creation, of all of the things in the days and the nights, God has said that this creature is going to bear my image. It's almost as if he's saying that my image, my presence, the very person, creator of who I am is going to now be here on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, which isn't just about lovemaking. It's about spreading my image, my presence more and more upon the earth. And it was so. And it was very good. Now this is how the story opens up. And Genesis 1 is not there to necessarily describe exactly how things happen, but to describe how the universe all works together. It's like the opening scene of an incredible story. And that's the beginning of the rest of the scriptures. Now, it's interrupted, however, in chapter 3. Not really recommended children's material, but nonetheless, there it is. I mean, you're going to give your kids nightmares with that. As you know, chapter 3 ends up with this unfortunate, beautiful thing that God created ending up in chaos again. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Inside, they're naked and then ashamed, trying to game God. And we're right back where we started, at the chaos. But then the story continues. Through another time and another era... God comes down again to rescue this chaos. God comes down into this unfortunate mess that we have created by our disobedience and says, we're going to save this. We don't have to live with the violence. And how does he do that? I'm God. You're God. Yes. And I want you, Evan Baxter, to build an ark. Okay. Not necessarily Evan Baxter, but his name was Noah. But Evan Baxter's maybe a good name for him in, in that particular movie. Noah comes along, builds the ark, creates, calls all the animals together. And then the dove sent out over all of the earth to pretty much discover, is this now a safe place? Is this a good place to be? Now, the dove is a symbol of the spirit. It's a symbol of God's presence. And so when that is sent out, it's again a symbol of God being here. Sets his rainbow in the sky, says, I'm going to create a special relationship between you and I. And not only between you and I, but between me and the rest of all of creation. 
And this is how I am going to come down, rescue, take care of this incredible creation that I have put together. I want to be here with you. Well, as you know, the story doesn't end there because we head into another season, another era, another time, another place. And instead of taking care of this place, we build a tower and decide we don't want to make a name for God. We want to make a name for ourselves. Again, entering in more chaos into this world. God comes down again. Comes down to sea. Scatters the people into the languages over all of the earth. And this beautiful sense of diversity that we have with the multiple languages and races and colors and ethnicities is not just a diversity of a reflection of different uh, of people it's a diversity and a reflection of the beautiful diversity of who God is and every time we enter into a relationship with somebody who is different from us who has a different language we are experiencing yet again another piece of that presence of God here out of that diverse set of people, God, God calls somebody. Again, in another time, in another era, in another place. His name is Abraham. And God calls Abraham from a far off land and says, I want you to recreate a whole new nation of people. I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. In other words, Abraham, you are, again, my representative here on earth. And through Abraham's sons and his children and his children's children, God is once again putting upon the earth the blessings and the presence of who he is through that story. God also gives them a warning that for 400 years, his ancestors, his children, are unfortunately not going to live fully in the life that God had intended. It's very unfortunate. Once again, you would think, you know, God is moving and doing something wonderful and great, but here we are again right back again at the chaos. Different time, different era, new space, new people, new nation, new context, and yet we experience again the same things that were found in Genesis 1, the chaos and the cries and the story of God coming down even yet again. And what's fascinating about this story is that these people, these Israelites who are caught in the slavery in this far-off nation, if you read carefully, they don't cry out to God. They just simply cry out. What do they cry out? Deliver us. We know that there's something better. We know that there's a life that God has intended for us. We know that that exists. Deliver us from this hell, this chaos, this non-order, this slavery that we are now in. And this becomes the motif. This becomes the foundation, the picture, the image, the, the analogy for what it means to be captivated by sin and chaos. So God hears, and he comes down. This time, a little bit of a different form. Just like he came down in Noah, just like he came down with Abraham. Now he's coming down again into the chaos through this little baby. This little baby called
fascinating when you read the story. God says to Moses, Moses, I am going to make you like God to Pharaoh. Like God to Pharaoh? Yes, like me to Pharaoh. My presence is going to be here. And so through the presence of God, Moses and Aaron and the leadership there, and through some amazing computer graphics and bad acting, God does an amazing exodus out of this bondage and out of this slavery. And through his presence, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, he shows that he is there. And he frees these people to give them something Lord, special that they didn't I shall have give these before. lords unto thy people. Hear me. Oh, hear me. All pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah has given unto you these 15. Ten. Ten commandments for all to obey. Well, okay, so it didn't happen exactly like that. These Ten Commandments and the giving of the law represented in the rest of what we call the Torah, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, represents now the teachings that God is going to give to his people. And it includes things and images that are very foreign to us because it's a different land in a different place. But they taught the people what it meant to live in chaos. And they taught the people what it meant to live in salvation. In such visceral, real, tangible ways that it's almost painful to watch, so we won't. These, <laughs> and, God, and God is going to share. Hold on, I can't stop the video. <laughs> Even through a talking donkey, God is going to share his ways and his laws and his teachings with his people. And he's going to speak to them in a new way. And he's going to be with his people in a whole new, fresh avenue through the teachings of prophets through the teachings of teachers, through the teachings and the leadership of kings and of priests. And through this time, these writings now, these writings that have been given to us, these precious God-given writings, now need to be interpreted into this new land. And so priests, kings, they emerge upon the scene. Kings like David, who wrestle and struggle again with chaotic situations. Um, kings like Solomon, who also wrestle with chaotic situations, who wrestle and struggle and strive to figure out how to bring wisdom and light to this chaotic world. And so we have their writings too. And some of those writings we have in the form of songs and poems. And some of those songs even make their way into American Idol. have an amazing praise song that's being played at one of the most, I shouldn't say most, but a pretty secular entertainment kind of venue. These songs have such power and presence that they exist in ways that exemplify and exude the human experience. So I love these writings, the Psalms and the Proverbs, because they experience and they, they articulate something that's so deep and true about the human experience. Because I know many of you probably have felt like this guy many, many times. Yeah, 
שלנו, אני חושב שמגיע לי משהו, אבל מה שאתה יודע, לא מגיע לי כלום. אבל האמת, אני לא מבין. האמת, אני לא מבין. לפעמים אני לא מבין מה אתה רוצה, ולפעמים אני תמיד שזה קצת קשה מדי, קצת... קצת מאפס resonates deeply with the writings, like the Psalms and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, the very depth of the human experience. Here's somebody who's in chaos yet again, in a different time, in a different place. And these words cry out, God, are you here? So by the way, when that miracle happens, the Psalms also talk about celebration for when God does come through and when he does come down and when he does show himself. The Psalms are also about celebration. השם שלח לך בן ברוך, קח. למה הפסקנו לרקוד? The writings even talk about intimacy in ways that are bashfully hesitant sometimes for those of us who have been a part of faith communities. But these writings, again, speak to the very depth and reality of the human experience. From the very intimacy of a man and a woman, um, the cries of a prophet, to the shame and the other despair sometimes of a neglectful, hesitant prophet, like Jonah, who says, I don't, I don't want to do your will. I, I don't want to share your word to the Ninevites. And he ends up in a pit in chaos as well. So these writings then take us into new times and new places. The story continues. And upon the scene emerges the prophets. And these prophets come along, and I love what Abraham Joshua Heschel says about them. These prophets give voice to the silent agony. That in new times and new places, with new struggles, with new nations and new cultures, there's still this silent agony. There's still this pain and there's still this chaos. There's still something that's going on that's not quite right there. And the whole message of the prophets, when you read them carefully, when you read the entirety of the story, they come down and they speak of a God who is going to come down again. His presence is going to be here. His presence is going to come and rescue and come and save. They are looking forward to a time when all of this is going to be put right. They recognize the fullness of their story. They recognize where they come from. They recognize Genesis 1. They're striving very desperately to get back to that time. And in the ache and in the pain, they cry out yet once again. Now what I find fascinating about this story that we've told up until now is that the entire thrust of the scriptures 
really actually doesn't look terribly different from our day and our time. They may look different in form and in technology and in expression, but the very depths of what this story is telling from the very beginning, all of that is very, very true and very, very present to what you and I experience here today. We know that there's times of great celebration where God breaks through, where there's moments where we praise and we celebrate and we worship. But we also know moments where we feel like, God, I just don't, I, I don't know what you want from me. I feel like I just don't understand. There are times when there's chaos. There's times when things don't work out. There's times all of that. So the question is, again, at this juncture of the newness, from the history and the story there to the time that we have here, is God coming down again? How does he respond? That's the big question of the prophets. And the big answer is that he does again. He comes down again. And this entire story that we celebrate during this season is deeply connected to the fullness of what happens previous and is thrusting us future into what is to come. I'm excited. We're going to sing actually one of my favorite songs, a little upbeat. It's about God bringing his kingdom here. Because again, the very essence of this story, the very essence of what we are doing here at Spark, the very essence of what it means to have a whole new season, a whole new life, is that time has now shifted to a new era and a new place. And what we are trying to do in this church, and what God is trying to do, I think, through his church, and what a whole new time and a whole new season is inviting us to do, is to look for ways in which God is here and present and coming once again. And to look for ways in which we, those of us who are followers of God, those of us who do have a faith, those of us who do profess Jesus, to say, here's a new way. Here's a new way in which we can bring God down here again as his representatives. And so, a couple announcements that I think are very actually apropos to the message. One of the reasons why we do Garden to Garden, why we tell the whole story, is to put our lives and our, and our study in the fullness of the context of everything that we do. So you want to hear what happened from Genesis all the way to Revelation in one big grand narrative of the story? That's what this study is. And if you're not signed up, why? No. We encourage you to um, consider this to see how your life, your story fits in with the fullness of the story. Not just picked verses that we pull out and put on bumper stickers, but the fullness of the story, about how you are a part of the fullness of that story. And the reason why we do seminars like what Dan Wallace is going to do in January is because we are also entering into the fullness of the story of our uh, predecessors, how they transmitted this story. I mean, the reason why you carry the Bibles that you have today is because of faithful, faithful people. And you will get to see the faithfulness of these people and the care that they took in transmitting these scriptures down. It's not just good argumentation for skeptics. It's not just a good apologetic for people who are critical of the church or of the Bible. It's also a way to see God working in and through the people that have come before us. And then to put into perspective how God comes down into chaos, we recognize that there's chaos here. And so in partnership with Etz, um, Spark Church is going to come together with with Etz 
in uh, January, which is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month, to say there's chaos still among us. And we together can figure out how decisions that we make can bring more and more of the presence and the kingdom of God to this place. And so we encourage you, and we'll be sharing a little bit more about those and be sending those in emails. We encourage you to get involved and to check that out and to be a part of how you can actually be a modern-day abolitionist, which for us is so much more than just stopping slavery. It's bringing the fullness and the presence of God here on earth, just as he has done before. Now, there's questions, because my story just kind of ended with the Jesus section in the, in the Gospels in the Christmas season. What happened with Paul and following all of that? Well, that's what people and friends like N.T. Wright are for. So if you're interested in knowing more about his new work on what Paul has written, because that's also confusing too. Some of the passages that Paul writes in, in the epistles and in the New Testament can be confusing for us as well. A different time, different era. But we also want to enter into that time and say, wait a second, how is it that the fullness of the story, <coughs> the, full, the fullness of the story that Paul himself was a part of, brought that truth here to bear in his world, in places like Corinth, in places like Ephesus, in places like Rome, where there's a whole new culture, a whole new time, and a whole new place. So when you give, and if you are interested in doing end-of-the-year giving, we'll make sure that that's a part of your statement for this year. But when you give, for us, it is our hope and our prayer that all of this, all of this is utilized and leveraged for God's kingdom coming down here to earth. And that's, again, the convergence of a brand new year and the convergence of spark. As we enter into our second year, as we figure out who is God calling us to be and the things that we want to do through the seminars and through Garden to Garden and the, and the teachings and the community that we're building here, this is ultimately what we're about. Being a part of this big, grand story and how it is coming down here again. So that's the new year. That's the new season of Spark. And that's the Christmas season all wrapped up into one. So as we do here, we'll ask a question. What could possibly happen in us and through us when God comes down in and through us again? Just like he did before, what could happen if that happened again? Lord, I bless you so much for Spark, and I thank you tremendously for these people here, these friends of ours. God, your story is truly incredible. I mean, I stand in awe at the fullness of the story that you have told and the story that you are continuing to tell and continuing to unfold within each and every one of us. Lord, I ask that you, um, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I ask that you, you would illuminate for us your very presence and your work in and through us here. And may we as Spark Church fully embrace the bigness of your story and the full presence of your kingdom here. Bring your kingdom here, God. Bring it here. Bring it in us. And may we lay down our lives to see it happen in this place. In your name we pray. Amen.